1: But tomorrow can be bigger yeah. Just grow Let the world overflow yeah. You're my life bigger than yourself You're created for
2: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Live Big Broadcast with Bishop Derek Greer. Our goal is to teach God's Word in a way that compels you to live a life that overflows and blesses others. Today, we're going to dive into a classic message that we believe will strengthen and equip you. So stay tuned as we get into the Word.
1: Use this time to your glory, and we'll give you all the honor for it. In Jesus' name. David begins by saying The Lord is, not the Lord was, not the Lord is going to be, but right now, God is. The Lord is my shepherd. It's one thing to believe that God is a shepherd in general. It's another thing to believe that he's my shepherd in particular, to believe that he cares for me, that he watches for me that he protects even me. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. We know that shepherd is an ancient metaphor for king. In fact, the king's scepter that we would see throughout Israel and uh, Europe later on was derived from the shepherd's staff. And what he was saying was, the Lord is my king, And if David lived in America, I believe he would say whether the Democrats or the Republicans are in office, the Lord will continue to be my commander in chief, my chief justice, my majority leader, and the speaker of my house. That's my conviction about what David would say. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, or literally, I lack nothing. When God is truly at the center of your life. He has a way of being more than enough. David enjoyed whatever he had, even in the times when he knew more was on the way. There was a contentment about him and a contentment that the shepherd wants to bring in each of our lives. He makes me lie down. I'm told that if sheep are afraid, they will not lie down. But Scripture says He makes me or literally causes me or gives me reason to lie down with confidence that there are sharp-fanged enemies all around. When the shepherd is present, the sheep are at peace. He makes me lie down where? Not just any where. We don't just serve an, an any old God. He, he makes me lie down where? In green... Pastures. The places where the grass is best. The oasis in the desert. People used to say that the town of Dumfries was a cemetery for churches. But God has a way of hiding some of the most choice locations in places no one else would ever look. He, he leads me beside still or quiet waters. A couple of years ago, I brought this out, and I explained to you that before shearing time, a sheep's head is full of wool. And the challenge is when the sheep goes to drink, if water gets on that wool, his head becomes very heavy. Just imagine having a a lot of wool and filling it with water, and and, and sheep do not have the, the strongest of necks. So what would happen is if you were a novice shepherd, And you took your sheep to a fast running stream as they drank the splash from the fast running stream would begin to splash on their head. The problem was when all that water got on their head, their head would go down. And if there was enough water, actually that the face would fall into the water and they could possibly be cast and even Drown. And if an enemy came, they couldn't really run away because their head has, had become heavy with water. What I wanted to say to you is our shepherd leads us very carefully to slower streams so that he can bless us at a pace we can handle. Any blessing received before we can handle, it's really a curse. And any blessing that would give you a big head, and any blessing that that, that would, would harm you. God said, you know what? Not yet. It's not that he doesn't have the blessing. He doesn't have the water. It, it, it's just that he knows what it will do to your head. So because he's a good shepherd, he doesn't say no. He says just a little bit later. Let me grow you. Let me develop you a little bit. And, and it seems like God's being mean, but all he's doing is being a good shepherd. He restores my soul. I heard someone say that worry is interest paid on trouble before it's due. And what God wants to do is break the pattern of anxiety and dis-ease and and, and angst over each of our lives. God desires to restore and refresh our souls. Psalms 127 and verse 2, I often uh, meditate on. And this psalm really speaks to me, and I, I believe it will speak to you. He says, it is vain or a waste of time and energy for you to rise up early and to sit up late. Sometimes no matter how early you get up or how late you go to bed, you will not be able to fix that problem that only God can fix. I used to think I was smart, so I'd stay up late trying to figure it out. And it's amazing, all I did was entangle the situation even more. And he goes on to, to describe this staying up uh, late and getting up early, uh, full of care and anxiety, to eat the bread of what? Sorrows. And what he's saying, as great as the restaurant you may go to and the places you might visit, man, if if your heart is secretly anxious, heavy, and tormented, it profits you nothing. It's actually vain and no benefit. But then he explains the answer. For he, Jehovah, gives his beloved sleep. How many do need some sleep? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's not even sleep as much as rest. Because sometimes I get my eight hours, but I wake up tired. And it's because my mind was turning and moving. But if I let the shepherd be my shepherd, I not only get sleep, but I get rest. There was a woman in World War II, she lived in England. I think in London, England, in fact, and uh, the Nazis were bombing the city and her church would uh, every night have a prayer meeting. It was dangerous times. People were dying. It was, it was just terrible. And she would attend these meetings day after day after day. But Then finally, she decided she was not going to come anymore. And she stopped coming and the, the pastor noticed it. And the pastor said, well, why did you stop coming to prayer meetings? And she answered him. And and this is this is an important caution, because you can make prayer just a religious exercise that is void of faith. In fact, Jesus said it this way. He said, don't 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 pray to me like like the Gentiles and the heathen with their vain repetitions. They just babble over and over again, thinking that if they say it enough times to God, it'd be like twisting his arm that God will finally get tired and have to give in. And many of us actually approach prayer this way. But this woman that night, she said, you know, I'm not going. And then she met with the pastor. And she said, you know, that morning, you know, I I, I prayed. I just knew God had it. He said, Scripture says that God neither slumbers nor sleeps. So if God is staying awake every night, why am I staying up too? And sometimes our prayer life is really anxiety and worry. Sometimes it takes more faith not even to mention it again to the father. Because you know he heard you the first time. And sometimes we can refuse religiosity with genuine relation. If, if I told my son, let's say he needed uh, $100. When they get teenagers, they don't ask for $20, $50, $100. <laughs> and I told him, yeah, I'll give it to you. And he came back five minutes later, daddy, I need 100 I just told you. I give you the $100. And then another five minutes later, Daddy, I need a wait a minute. Didn't I tell you that I give you the $100? When we go to God in prayer and we know we got the thing we asked for, it actually can be unbelief to go back again. Do you understand? So instead of saying, you know, Daddy, would you give me a $100? Next time he sees me say, thank you, Daddy. So give me that $100. Thank you, Daddy, for being such a good dad. So w- once you know you got it, just thank him for it. Honor him for it. Celebrate him for it. Do you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> Versus just a religious exercise. Psalms 23 and verse 3. He restores my soul. God can give you supernatural peace, even in the midst of the worst storm. And in my life, he has had an indescribable way of letting me know everything was going to be okay, even when it seemed like it was impossible. But only people that let the Lord be their shepherd can live this type of life. He leads me in paths of righteousness. This is important because we're from the city suburbs and few of us are from the country. Sheep, if allowed, they will follow the same circular path. They're not really creative animals. They, they follow the, the pack and they follow the path. And what happens is a, a group of sheep can get into a rut where they just keep walking the same path. And, and what happens is as they walk the path, they begin to pollute the trail. Their waste drops. And what happens is as they walk again, they step in the waste. And then there's more waste, and then they walk again, and, and, and before long it becomes a filthy and diseased rut. This is why sheep need pastors. Scripture says, he leads me in the paths of what? Righteousness. Righteousness. Has anyone ever been like a sheep where you've been doing the same thing over and over again, though you know it's killing you? I mean, mean, you know, but you just, you you can't seem to break out. You keep stepping in the same mess, doing the same cycle, doing what mom and dad, the same thing over and over and over again. But in this psalm, David is introducing us to a shepherd that can introduce us to a clean path. He leads me in the paths. Does it say plural there? Meaning there's more than one way for God to do things. Right. Amen. He doesn't just lead you in that same rut. He will break you out into a new path. There'll be a new venture. He leads me in paths of what? Cleanness or righteousness. Plural, because your path of deliverance may not look like my path of deliverance. But here's the deal. Stay on the path God has assigned you, even though it looks different. And he took me a different way. Do what he assigned you and you will be able to break out of that rut. What's the last part of this? He leads me in the path of righteousness. Why? Because I'm great. Mm -mm. For his name's sake, religious people have faith in themselves Followers of Jesus have faith in Christ. Very different things. Let me explain this. It says, for his name's what? Say, how did Jesus teach to play? Our Father. Not, Lord, I've been good all week. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Lord, it's not about my name. Lord, I'm not coming to you because I'm so marvelous. I'm so, so, so holy. He leads us out because of whose name? Not because of my name, your name. Your name could have been killer, slanderer, could have been trick. Lots of names that we have actually lived up to in our life, but it's absolutely irrelevant because His name is the only name greater than our sin. And many of us go to God in our own names. God, I tithe. Nothing wrong with tithe and do that. Lord, Lord, I haven't been beating my wife for the last two weeks. That's good. Don't do that. Lord, I go to church, right? Good. Do that. But what you're doing is you're approaching God based on your own works. Jesus said, when you pray, pray in my name. You think praying in his name is just tacking on the name of Jesus. No, no, no. What he's saying is don't stand before God in your own righteousness because your righteousness is filthy rags. You need to come before the father in my righteousness. You understand? Come before him in my name. You see, when I gave my life to Jesus, the marvelous thing is he wrote his name on me. The holy God placed his name on me. So by virtue of the fact that he put his name on me, my mess because his problem. And he's not going to lead me out because I'm wonderful, but because he's wonderful, because he's faithful, because he's holy, because he's trustworthy. And I had to learn early in my walk with God, stop focusing on what I can do in my name. Focus on his name. And it's amazing. Amazing when I've gotten to, to ruts and messes, when I trusted in his goodness and his power, how he's always brought me out. And he'll do the same for you. Yea, even though I walk through. Not wallowing in. People read this passage wrong. I know people that have been in the valley for 40 years. But the Bible says, even though I walk through the valley. Never build a house where God only wants you to pitch a tent. Okay, that was a warm patty <laughs> Don't give up in your valley. Just keep walking and walking and walking and walking. Though I walk through the valley. The answer to the valley is just keep moving. Just keep going in the direction God's called you to. I can't erase the valley. I can't remove the valley. The valley is part of the path the shepherd has guided you into. And as this sheep, your only job is to keep moving. Keep doing what God's told you to do and move in the direction he's told you to move. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of what? Death. Valleys are known to have caves. They're full of all types of shadows, crevices, and and turns in their walls. These are all places that danger can very easily hide. But this is something that sheep come to understand. Security doesn't come just from the environment. It comes from the shepherd. Though the threat in your life may be real, The thing you need to know is God is committed to get you to the other side. As though I walk through, I'm getting to the other side. I'm not stopping in the middle. I'm not giving up in the middle. I'm not panicking in the middle. I'm going through till I get to the open place that exists on the other side. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. This gets us upset. It frustrates us. But it's not God's plan right now to remove the presence and the existence of evil. It's just his will to remove the supremacy of evil while we're in this world. You see, when, when you really reflect on the bigness of God, even in the midst of of the worst situation, the devil shrinks in comparison. You know, really, worship can be described as magnifying God. Now you know that God can never get any larger than He is. He is God, but the issue is He shrinks in our mind. And what happens is when when we're in the valley, we're looking at the shadows. Is there a cave there? And somehow the walls in the valley get so big, and then God shrinks so small. The secret to walking through the valleys, keeping God big in your heart. So while you walk, you're singing that song. While you walk, you you just keep moving. Your focus is on him. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I'm getting through. I'm going over to the other side. I'm going to make it to where God wants to lead me. You have to magnify God in order to get to the other side of the valley. For you are with me. When I was a kid, I used to hang out with a guy named Kenny. He was bigger than me, older than me, crazier than me, stronger than me. And in fact, you know, the fact he had my back allowed this, this little 14-year-old to go places, a little 14-year-old had no business going. But because Kenny was with me, I had a certain swag, a certain confidence. It's amazing, though, I, I, I saw Kenny again, and, and he who looked so big, I was now looking down on but, but but it's amazing, you know, where you are in your life, some things seem so big, and at another point, they seem a lot smaller. But when I saw him, it dawned on me. I met him actually in an airport. Today, I walk with someone so much bigger than Kenny. And if that's true, it ought to impact how I enter a room, how I leave a room, everything I do in the room when I realize the bigness of the God that's with me. He says, your rod, this is going to trouble some of you, but the rod was a a club stored in the shepherd's belt. You see, the problem is many of the the Jesus that, that you guys were, it's not you, the person next to you, you worship a cupcake Jesus. But the Jesus in the Bible was always locked and loaded. The shepherd had a club. If you know anything about shepherds actually, you could you could YouTube this. They, they would take this cup, They would throw it, and boom, it hit you right. These guys were good with clubs. They would practice with these clubs for years. They became experts. I mean, they could knock a fly off your head from twenty feet. This this is how good these guys were with these clubs. And these clubs were not used to pet. They were they they were used to 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 protect and uh, against the the, the enemy. Secondly, it says, and your what? Staff. The staff was a walking implement, but it also doubled as a weapon. Jesus has the power needed to deal with any enemy. In fact, when David was tending his sheep, the Bible talked about a lion attack, and he defeated him, so the bear. He had the tools and the weapons to protect his sheep. And our God has everything we need to keep us safe in this life On this journey, and if you know it, there should be a confidence that develops and grows in your life. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, a lot of people, when they read this, they they think he's talking about heaven. How many know there are no enemies in heaven? That's why it's heaven. What he's saying is God has prepared a table in the right here, in the right now. Jesus said to his disciples, I have food you know not of. And in the midst of the worst situation, you could be meditating in your heart and and feasting on on the joy of the Lord that you know is on the other side and the fact that God's got you and he'll give you a meal right in the midst of the fiercest and darkest circumstances. He said, you anoint my head with oil because we're not from the Middle East, some of this Escapes us. But special guests were often given oil. You know, they'd be out in the sun and it would dry them up and, and they walk long distances. And, and also, you know, the, it was, it was a fragrance as well that they, they'd put in the oil and it was to preserve them. And, and God wants to, to treat you like you're his special guest, keep you looking good and, and smelling good. He, he wants each of us to understand that we matter. But, but here's what I want to get to. In this verse, there's actually a double reference going on. Because David is a shepherd. And when he says, "You anoint my head with, with oil," everyone reading that verse understood that uh, summer was called fly time. And in the summer, you know, uh, off the Mediterranean, you'd have blowflies, botflies, wobble flies, sand flies, black flies, heel flies and gadflies, and all these flies would just swarm, particularly upon the livestock. And the only way you could really help sheep through this period was by anointing their heads. Scripture says, you anoint my head with what? Oil. And what these Near East shepherds would do is they would mix equal parts oil, uh, uh, tar, and sulfur. And, and they'd mix it, and they'd rub it all over the sheep's head and it kind of acted as a, a bug repellent it, it kept the flies from laying eggs on uh, in, in their ears and, and and their nose see if neglected if the sheep were not anointed this is important because there are a lot of people going to religious churches but if the shepherd does not anoint the sheep if they're just having church but there's no anointing you're going to find the symptoms that occurred when a shepherd did not anoint the sheep. See, what would happen is the flies would lay eggs in the nostrils and the ears of the sheep. And the maggots would begin to crawl to the soft apart. And on the inside of their head, they would feel these crawling things. So the sheep would start hitting their heads against rocks hitting their heads against trees. And there are many people in churches hitting their heads against rocks and trees because there's something going on in their head that they settled for religion instead of the anointing. And these things are growing. They got the bumper sticker and the t-shirt, but all this stuff is growing on the inside because it's not an anointed word to set them free.
2: This has been a classic edition of the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer, pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. Our prayer is that this teaching from God's Word strengthens and inspires you to live a life bigger than yourself. So remember, you can access this message and much more for free at gracechurchva.org. And we also invite you to join the Grace Church family for service online by connecting on our website or on YouTube at TV. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, you have what it takes to live big.